Okay, I do, I do want to welcome you, and my name is Lewis, but I'm, I'm not a sophomore. I'm the campus minister, and if I haven't met you yet, I, I hope I get a chance to. Um, sometime, sometime soon and sometime real to get to, to, get to be face-to-face, but I, I, do, I do look forward to this time, and I, I am getting to see your faces on, on a screen in front of me right now. And, and I want you to know that I think it is such a joy and a miracle of the Lord that you're here, because I know there's a lot going on this week. And I know that's a cold and dreary day of uh, midterms and pressure and tension and unknown and uh, everything, of course, that's going on with COVID and a presidential debate later tonight, which will have, you know, slightly higher ratings than this Zoom call. So uh, I really do appreciate you t- taking, this, taking this hour. Uh, we are jumping back into James, and we have been uh, going through James and exploring what, what James describes as uh, true religion, as this uh, life of living faith and obedience that James describes as true religion. And the aspect of that religion, which we're going to look at uh, tonight, is the powerful importance of the words that we speak. The powerful importance of the words that we speak. So I'm going to go ahead and read the passage. It's James 3, 1 through 12. It's going to be up on the screen. Please, uh, please read along with me. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great is a forest, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we will bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us. Let's, let's pray and then we'll jump in. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of this time. Thank you for uh, the connection and the ability through technology to be together in spirit right now. I pray that you'd be among us. I pray that you'd be at work as I do what this very passage warns against, being a teacher. I ask that uh, it would be good for our hearts because your Holy Spirit is at work through your word so we might know you and love you more and love one another. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When was the last time that you said something and you immediately wished that you could take it back and put it back in, in your mouth? I, I picked up my, my two younger daughters, Caroline, who's four, and Betsy, who's two, from preschool yesterday. They're, they're still able to do preschool in person. And uh, I had promised Maggie that I would pick up lollipops before I came home for our, uh, our reward jar, which is the thing we use with our kids, Parenting 101. We'll talk later. You'll call me. And uh, so we go to CVS to get these lollipops. And I'm thinking, you know, it takes like 10 minutes to unbuckle children 
and get them inside with their masks on and then wait in line and then get them and then rebuckle them and you know it'll be I'll just leave them in the car it wasn't a hot day it was there in the shade I locked the door to keep it safe I'm gonna run in I'll be back in two minutes okay so I go into CVS I grab the thing of lollipops and I get in line and there is a um, very sweet and very old person in front of me who's decided to do their whole week's worth of grocery shopping at CVS like from the snack aisle on the far side and and they um, apologetically take a long time and I'm getting a little antsy by this point because I'm thinking like hey I've got kids in the car like they're probably wondering where I am they're tired they're ready to go home and have lunch and so I finally I don't it probably only took a couple minutes it felt like a long time but I get up and I pay and I'm sort of half jogging to the door trying to get back to the car as quick as I can and the uh, automatic door slides open and my four-year-old Caroline is standing on the sidewalk alone in front of me with tears streaming down her face and I quickly grab her, and then the next thing I notice is the beep, beep, beep of my car alarm, which is going off right next to us. And I turn, and I see uh, the car's there. The alarm's going off. The door, like the driver door, is wide open. And my two-year-old in the back seat is sort of just wide-eyed in the back, looking around, trying to understand what's happening. This, another, this sweet woman who got out of her car was sort of like, hey, do these belong to you? And... Uh, they did belong to me, and so I, you know, I gather up the kids, and I'm trying to tell them, I'm, you know, whatever, and I, I, I get them in, I get them rebuckled, I get the alarm turned off with my, with my key. Somehow, when, when a kid, when the doors are locked, if you unlock it from the inside and open the door, the alarm goes off. I don't know why, that's stupid. I don't know why they design them like that, but they do. And so I'm embarrassed because I've been talking to this woman about why, I'm just thankful she didn't call the police, which she could have done. Anyways, I finally turn around, and the first thing I say to Caroline, who is scared, and, and vulnerable and worried and confused is, I told you to keep your seatbelt on. It's the first thing I said. I, to I told you to stay buckled. And of course, new tears, new confusion, new sadness, new hurt comes out of her face. And you know, we, we slowed down, we made up, she's okay. She's not like, I hope, too traumatized for the future. I'll, I'll never do it again. But I wish I had shown some, some patience and some compassion and some gentleness. I wish I had stopped to think what she was experiencing in that moment before I had used words that I spoke out of my own embarrassment and out of my own fear uh, to a person who was, who was scared, who looks to me for comfort in their, in their life. My words in that moment were a big deal. And that's sort of the point that James uh, is making, is that our words are a big deal. And he's going to talk about, you know, negative words being a big deal. You, of course, know that, that some of the most important moments in life are defined by words that you say that are good, they're a big deal. Uh, words like, I do, for example, in certain situations mean a very big deal to people, like they did uh, like when I said those words about, about 12 years ago. So the, these words mean, mean something, and they're actually a really big deal. They're such a big deal that in verse 2, James says basically that if you get this part of your walk as a Christian right, if you get taming your tongue, which means being in control of your words in a godly way, you're perfect. That's how significant they are. And James has been expounding on what true religion is like. And he already said in chapter 1, we, we talked about this briefly, if you remember from, I think, the second week. He said, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is useless. And now what he's doing, he's sort of expanding and reemphasizing how important and how powerful the words that come out of our mouths are 
Uh, they're powerful for us, and they're powerful for the people around us. So we're going to look at this teaching, uh, and what we're going to sort of do is we're going to look at what James says, and we're going to almost pit it against uh, Jesus' words to us. Because I always want you to be thinking, as you look at a book like James, which can, which can feel like there are passages like this one that don't have tons of grace and gospel, I want you to remember that we're to receive this within the context of our relationship with Jesus who loves us and who died for us and who speaks to us words of truth and love, okay? So, so here's the three things I want to see tonight. First, that our words are influential. Second, that our words are inflammatory. And third, that our words are inconsistent, okay? They're influential, inflammatory, and inconsistent. So first, our words are powerfully influential. And, and what James does here is he gives us three examples, three illustrations of the ways that words, the words that we speak, He's going to say the tongue, okay, that's words, are influential. And, and he gives these three pictures. And the first is a, is a bit that goes in the mouth of a horse, that a rider puts in the mouth of a horse. And the bit's just a small thing, but by it, the, the rider can steer the entire horse, right? And then he talks about a ship. He said a ship is this great big thing, and it's got this rudder. And the rudder is relatively inconsequential in terms of size compared to the rest of the ship, but the rudder determines the direction of the entire ship. And then he goes on to say, uh, that even a little, a little flame can set a whole forest ablaze, that a little thing can affect something really, really, really big. And, and his point is this, the words that we say aren't just words that we say. The words that we say aren't just words that we say. They actually have uh, influence to impact our entire life. And of course, they have a tremendous influence to impact the lives of the people around us. Now, one of the things that this brings up, especially if, you've, if you're familiar with the Gospels, is that Jesus says things like it's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. But when you look at these pictures, you've got to realize that they, they all have that built in, right? Uh, the rudder is steered by the pilot, the, the horse, the bridle, the bit is steered by the, by the rider. But it's out of the heart that we speak, but the, the, the words give power to our will. They give power to our desires. They give power to our way of thinking so much so that they determine the direction of our whole, of our whole lives, our whole selves, okay? And there's a lot of ways that we see this. Uh, one of the things that I've talked with Ben about a couple times is how when you're in a group of people and you start talking about COVID and what's going to happen, like the anxiety of everybody in the conversation starts to go up. Have you guys been in conversations like that? You guys know what I'm talking about? It happens to me all the time. Um, or you know that when there's something that you have a bad attitude about and then you start complaining about it, your attitude about it gets worse. Right? It actually affects you to say certain kinds of, of words. When we, when we blame and we judge and we talk badly about people who we disagree with, we actually disagree with them more. It becomes even more difficult to cultivate the empathy and the love that we long to have for our neighbor that God calls us to when he says how important it is for us to love, to love our neighbor. So your words, the things that you say influence you, and, and that means you have to be really careful with them because they can actually lead you down paths that you might not want to go. And I said that we're going to pit this teaching against how Jesus uses his words for us. And so I, I want to remind you to attend to the words of Jesus to you and the influence that they have to give life to you. So for example, many of, many of you, many of us feel really lonely and isolated right now. And Jesus' words to you are, I will be with you always to the end of the age. That's the word that Jesus speaks to you. Many of us feel, feel broken and unlovable right now. And, and what Jesus says is, 
I came just to seek you and to save you when you feel lost. He says that he loves sinners. Uh, many of us feel just exhausted and worn down. And to us, Jesus says, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. As we consider the influence of our own words, I, I hope and I pray that we'll allow ourselves to be influenced by the words that Jesus speaks to us. Because no matter where we are, and in fact this passage says that in this particular conversation, it says we all stumble. We all stumble in many ways. That's verse 2. That Jesus comes to speak words of life and to love to you. Okay, Our, word, our words influence us. The second thing tonight is that our words are powerfully inflammatory. This is the, uh, the feel-good section of James 3. This is where he talks about how horribly damaging our words are and how there's nothing we can do to get it under control. It's, it's, it's a really feel-good part. No, I, I'm kidding, but it's, it's, it's a really intense and a sobering uh, section. I'll, I'll read this just from verse 6. It says this, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. The power that words have to do harm in our lives, it, it's as if it comes from the pit of darkness. And James, is, he wants to draw our attention to that, to the, to the destructive realities of what our words can do when, we, when we're not careful. Of the way that just a few words spoken in anger can destroy a relationship. The way just a few words spoken in jealousy can erode trust, that a way just a few words spoken uh, in, in hate or in gossip can lead someone else into a spiral of, of self-doubt and self-loathing, that our words have that kind of inflammation, they can just set a whole person's life on fire. And of course, they often fill us uh, with regret. <laughs> There's so many things, so many times we say things and we wish we had said it a little bit differently, and sometimes the stakes seem low and sometimes they seem high. He goes on in, in verse 7, James says this, that the tongue is a restless evil, and then that, that no human being can tame the tongue. He says, we've tamed all the wild animals, but for some reason, the one thing we can't tame, is the one thing we can't control, the one thing we can't do the way we want is to speak, is to use our words for good and for truth and for love and for grace instead of for selfishness and for anger and for gossip and for slander. And the thing he says here is that none of us can tame our tongue. None of us can get a handle on this. And I think this is really important because it, it's absolutely true that none of us can get a handle on what we say, but he doesn't say it can't be done. He just says we can't do it. It's not that it can't be done, it's that we can't do it. And, and, and I, wanna, I wanna say something, a little something here about how people change, how good things happen in the lives of, of believers. Uh, Matthew 19, this is a great, it's a great passage where Jesus is talking, and, and he says, he's talking about uh, wealthy people, and he says how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's more difficult uh, than a, it's, it's just a difficult thing, and, and the, everyone is confounded. They don't understand, because to them, they've been assuming and equating wealth with the favor of God, and they say, who then can be saved? And Jesus says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And, and, and I know not everyone who's on this call tonight is a Christian, but, but fundamental to, to Christian faith is a reality that we embrace, that we have limits in what we can do. 
We embrace that we have limits in what we can do for ourselves and what we can do in the life of others, and then we actually depend on the strength and the power of God. Everything good that we do is actually dependent on the strength and the power of God that's working, uh, Paul says, in us and through us. So we believe that apart from God, we actually can't do anything good, but that with God, with God's Spirit working in us and through us, goodness and truth and fruitfulness and beauty, they can abound, they can flourish. I think one of the things that's been so difficult about COVID is the way that uh, we experience a loss of control, the, the way that we just we can't do the things that we want to do, and that as things have been canceled and postponed and adjusted and restricted and put online, you, you have this sense of just less and less agency in, in the world. And, and that's a frustrating feeling. Um, the, the rest of the RF staff, we were on a seminar this summer that was talking about this desire that humans have for control. And what the speaker said really stuck out to me because he, he reminded us, he said, the human desire for control is actually not bad. It's actually from God and it's a good thing. You should want control, but there is one particular kind of control that God intends for us to have, and it's self-control. Self-control. That ability to not just say the right things, but to have our life match up with God's ways, to do what we want, to act out of truth and goodness instead of out of selfish self-interest. And, and that's why Paul lists self-control as one of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. That's the section that we're going to do our stay and pray through, if you want to stick around for that after the sermon tonight. But along with these uh, things like love and joy and peace and patience, which all seem feel good, it's self-control. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, which means it's something that is happening in you. It's growing in you as you abide in Christ and He abides in you. It's a guarantee. Now, uh, sometimes when we get to this sort of thing where we say, we can't do it, only God can, does that mean we don't have to try very hard? And I think that's the opposite intention. That James, I think the reason James is saying about how hard this is and how dangerous the tongue can be is he wants us to double our efforts. He wants us to, to step up our, our straining towards using our tongue, to using our words for good, for the good of others and for the good of ourselves, for building one another up for encouragement and not in tearing down. I pray that Jesus would do that, that he would do what he says, that he would send his spirit to grow us in self-control with the words that we say. So that's it. Our words are influential. Our words are inflammatory. And then lastly tonight, our words are inconsistent. If you had to, if you had to sum up the whole of this true religion that James is talking about, this whole life of faith in God, the, the, word, the one word you'd use is probably love. That's the word that's sort of central to the message of the Bible is love. That's, that's why when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? What's the most important thing? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus holds two together, the, our love of God and our, and our love for our neighbor. And what James is pointing out here is how inconsistent we are and how the way that we speak reveals how we fall short of this kind of call to love God and to love our neighbor. This is what he says in, in verse 9. He says, with it, with our tongue, with our words, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. We say we love God, but we attack our political rivals. We say we love God, but we demean and objectify women. We say we love God, but we stir up strife and conflict. We say we love God, but we make fun of certain social groups on campus, right? We have this inconsistency where we don't, our words don't line up with our love of God when it comes to each other. And I, I just have to stop when I read this and just praise God that Jesus is not so inconsistent with us. 
That we have, we, have, we have a Savior in Jesus, we have a Lord in Jesus, we have a Master and a Good Shepherd and a friend in Jesus whose words towards us totally match up with his love of the Father. And the word that he speaks to us is a word of love. And, and it makes me think of uh, the story in John 8 when, when a woman is, is caught in adultery, caught in the act of adultery. And this woman is brought before Jesus by these powerful men in shame. And they ask him, hey, Moses' law said we could stone this woman. Can we kill her because she is a sinner? This is where Jesus famously says, let he who was without sin cast the first stone. And all these men eventually leave. And he says, has no one condemned you? And she says, no one. He says, neither do I condemn you. That Jesus doesn't just talk about the mercy of God. He doesn't just proclaim the mercy of God. He lives the mercy of God. He offers us the mercy of God. His word to us is totally consistent with the heart of the Father, which is a heart of love for you and for me. I'll, I'll offer just a couple of suggestions uh, by way of application bef before I finish. Uh, there's a lot of different things that uh, I think that we need to bring before the Lord and bring before our friends in terms of where we need accountability and encouragement. Where are the places where we, we have an unbridled tongue? Where are the little places in the relationships and the parts of our life that we slip into? I'll, I'll just mention two, okay? Um, that my, my first encouragement is to try to pay attention to this week uh, to what is causing you to complain. To what is causing you to complain. Now, I, I'll say this, for, I'll say this uh, at the same time. I, I, just, I know that many of you are going through really difficult times right now. I know that many of you are dealing with like, really intense uh, hardship and struggle and suffering and pain and loss. And it's midterms. And it's COVID. I, it's really hard. And so what, what I'm not saying is don't be real about the things in your life that are hard. But you can feel probably the difference between openly sharing your heart with another and complaining. Because complaining is always looking for attention and pity and someone to blame. So we have to be careful about our complaining. It actually is going to bring us into a cycle that's going to affect us. It's going to steer the whole ship of our, life, of our lives. So, that, so that's the first thing. Be real with your friends. Share your whole heart. But look out for complaining. And, and, and the second is this. Uh, the second has to do with the reality of the political moment that we live in. And I mean that both in terms of the actual election that's, in, that's just in a number of weeks now and the debate that's going to happen right, uh, right after this where, where we're going to see on full display the way that our political realities cause, uh, cause us to speak. And then we're going to hear for the rest of this week other people talking about how those people all, all talked. We live in this moment where to stand for something and to believe in something means that uh, for most of us that we have to pick a side, and part of being a part of that side is to attack and to bash and to demean the people who are on the other side. And I just, I think James would give us a word of warning as we go into this season, because I, I, I'm convinced that, that one of the ways that Christians can bear witness to the goodness and the glory of God in this time is by being courteous and kind with our words, with people that we disagree with. Uh, when it comes to things like politics. This is, this is really, really difficult. And of course, our campus has its own issues that we're, that we're dealing with that are incredibly divisive and incredibly emotional and personal in so many ways. But I think James would say, be careful. Because using words of hate, using words out of anger, is going to steer your whole ship towards a direction that might set, set your life or the life of another ablaze. And you don't want to do that. 
what might it look like for Christians to be known for being kind to people that they disagree with? I, I hope and pray that that will happen. James warns us to be, to be careful with our words because they're powerful. And, and they're powerful. And of course, more often than not, they're an indication of the ways that we are falling short in, in our love for God. But they're really powerful. And, and as, we, as we consider that, uh, I, I will remind you again that the ways that you stumble and fall short with your words are met by words from Jesus. They're met by words of Jesus, and those are words of love. Those are words of mercy. Those are uh, words of of acceptance and tenderness and forgiveness. He says, you are my child. You are one of my sheep. You're with me, and I'm with you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I am grateful that you speak to us words of love. I'm grateful for that song. We, We do ask that you would speak to us what is true, that you are strong and good and loving and enough for us. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in the ways that you promise. I I long to be more self-controlled with my own words towards the people in my life that I care about and towards towards perfect strangers, of course, and towards people that I encounter in uh, uh, online and virtual spaces. Lord, I pray for our community in the midst of this political moment that you would uh, have us be marked by love and kindness with our words. And Lord, we know know we'll stumble because we always have. Um, but you meet us with words of love. And we praise you and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.